Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Daily Thread. So happy to be here. Um, how are you doing? Okay, uh, we're doing good. We're back in the, the swing of things after a, uh, you know, if you're following the bouncing ball and a couple of, yep. uh, yeah, a little bit of a, a little bit. So we had a traumatic week last week, you know, and uh, quick trick, quick, quick trick, <laughs> quick trip to Eretz Yisrael, which, yeah. uh, which is very tiring. Uh, you know, and uh, it's uh, it was a very trying week with the passing of uh, your your bubby, your grandmother, and she was a great part of our lives uh, for a very very long time. Your life since before you were before since you were born, and yeah. uh, my life for the last uh, forty forty five years. So um, there's a a healing process underway, and. Um, it's different than what it was when my father passed away 33 years ago, um, but it's still um, it's still uh, people that are out there that experience to understand what I'm saying, and those people that you know Baruch Hashem haven't experienced it, it really probably cannot relate to it. But there's a healing yeah. process underway, and it takes time. That's the uh, that's the bottom line. And Hashem uh, have Aliyah and. I think there's a big. Uh, if you, I don't know if you want to go in this direction, but it's a big neglect out there about. Uh, we're so we're so busy in our physical world and our material lives that we don't uh, don't dedicate enough time to understanding uh, what's going on out yeah. there in the great universe. Definitely. Well, maybe we'll, <laughs> we'll discuss that at some point. For today, we're going to stick with the Narishkite stories because why not? <laughs> okay. What do you got? <laughs> what do you got? Uh, I have this headline here. This is actually something that has been on my mind a little bit. Um, but this story is via Yeshiva World. It says, the headline reads, Chutzpah, self-checkout machines now asking for tips. Oh, you, know the feeling, you know the feeling of annoyance when buying a coffee for a dollar and being prompted by the payment processing yeah. machine to give another dollar as a tip? Yeah. Well, it's a lot yeah. more annoying when you pick up some products at a store Head to the self-checkout and are still urged to give a tip. So what we're seeing nowadays is people are – you know, it's one thing if a waiter helps you and you're giving a tip or, you know, you think it's annoying that you order a coffee and the person behind the counter is, oh, do you want a tip because I did make you this coffee, which is kind of you're paying for the coffee. But nowadays when you're when you're going about, going, um, about your business doing using self-checkout, it's asking for a tip and the question is – who are you tipping? Well, right. you know, you know what tip stands for. It's an acronym tip. It stands for to ensure proper service. Tips. You know, you want to make sure that I you never knew that. Uh, listen, that's why I'm here. I'm here to help you out. Yeah. <laughs> to ensure proper service. That's why they're not giving you a tip on who to bet on in the Super Bowl. To, to ensure proper service. And whatever you're doing, it depends how long you plan on being there and how often you plan on purchasing things in that store. There's a hotel we used to go to in Miami beach where I used to go down to buy coffee in the morning. And it's always, you buy two coffees for, I don't know, $5, $6. And there's always a line there for a, a gratuity, a, a tip. What are you going to do? You're going to go down there every morning for a week. You, you know, you don't want to be a cheap guy. You don't want, you don't want to have to be yeah. treated like a, like, like that. So it's almost like paying a ransom. In a way, so make sure that you're uh, that that you serve properly. The thing you have to be really watch out for is very often the tips are included in the in the cheshbon in the in the bill to begin with, but there's still an extra line there in case you want to give an additional gratuity. 
So you get a you get a double tip. Anyway, what's the Shiro World's problem with it? Well, the Shiro's problem is that it, it's it's being seen around the world, but now it's being seen in many from-owned stores. So, according to a recent report in the Wall Street Journal, numerous companies, including airports, bakeries, coffee shops, and sports stadiums, have introduced self-serve tipping options, despite patrons having zero interactions with an employee. The tip is, of course, optional, but as anyone has encountered them can attest, they leave you feeling guilty if you choose not to tip. So if businesses are going to ask for tips, perhaps there should be a fine print section explaining where the tips are going to go. Will the tips go to the employees or are they being pocketed by the boss? Well, so, yeah, you have see those big containers that have outside of car washes where they want you to throw in a couple of extra dollars. They charge you $30 to wash your car. And they still they want you to um, you know, throw something in for the cleaning crew. Otherwise, they're not going to do such a great job uh, in drying, drying your car. But your car will drive anyway eventually. So I, don't I see, know, right? I don't know. Or it's going to rain the next day. So I don't know what the, what the big deal is. But listen, the, the hustle is on in, in, in the modern world. And people are trying to make uh, you know whatever they can uh, from whatever direction uh, possible. Listen, I want you to know, I mean, I was in school this morning. And I have to tell you, uh, that was surrounded by five guys with credit card machines, you know? <laughs> that's, not, that's not new. I know it's not new, but it's a little t- intimidating, you know? If you, if you, if you take out a dollar and you want to give them a dollar, they, they, they like put the credit card machine in your, in your face and, and tell you a story about, uh, I'm sure it's a true story about, you know, how, how they're very much in debt or they're making a wedding or somebody's not well. And, you know, uh, from from giving a a dollar, which is standard, okay, maybe maybe you should give more since there's so much inflation and it's twenty twenty three already. But um, I mean, what what do they want you to do? Go diving in the morning and and give fifty dollars to everybody that's uh, that that that's collecting? They're not they're not putting a credit card machine in your face because they want two dollars instead of one dollar. Well, you know, it's, again, Sadaka is a beautiful thing. I I have found it increasingly difficult to daven in some places as like. You can't you can't daven because there's a constant barrage of people collecting, so it's it's literally hard to to sit there and daven without being interrupted every let's say three four minutes being asked for money. Now I have nothing wrong that you know stuff is a beautiful thing. Just of course you know when and where. Well, listen, some schools allow it. You know, and some shuls uh, don't allow it. Uh, you know, there's a shul in uh, in Eretz Yisrael uh, uh, in Rechavia called Oho Yitzchak. They have a person in charge, like an air traffic controller. He controls the amount of people that go in, and when X amount of people that do collecting come out, he sends them the next batch of people, and they walk around the shul collecting. I think that it's a it's in a it's in a wealthy area, it's an upscale area, and I think the people who walk over from, I think, from Meshiarim or Gaula or other parts of Yerushalayim, you know, this is how they, uh, is how they, they support themselves and, uh, and their families. And then there are other shuls, uh, or even by, what about by a simcha? You ever go to a wedding and guys are walking around collecting? It's a little bit intimidating. It uh, used to be a thing, by the way. It used to be a thing that people would give, in some circles, I guess, they would, people would collect for the chassan's limo. You know what I'm talking no, about? I never heard that. No. <laughs> really? I've who, been at weddings. Who collects, where, who collects for the customer's limo? His friends? Uh, his 
friends or brother. I've been at many weddings where they're collecting for the Chassan's limo. I never heard that. I think you've been. Uh, I think you've been defrauded. Actually, oh, you think so? <laughs> I, I never you heard. Think so? I never heard anything like that. I think the limos pay for in advance. What? I mean, no. and what if, what if he doesn't collect enough money for the Chassan's limo? The limo's leaving. No, the limo. The limo. No, the limo is paid for in advance, but they're. they're I think a friend pays for it, and he's just tr- trying to, you know, recoup the the business. Um, no, the thing, there is an option where yeah. you could uh, pay the caterer. Uh, I don't know, five hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, five thousand dollars, and he takes care of all the regular collectors. And that's a fee for not allowing people into to, to the wedding to intimidate your guests, to intimidate and harass your guests. So, you know, well, we don't like intimidating guests and we don't like harassing anybody. And this is a perfect time to bring up our friends at Sensible Marketing, <laughs> the number one people in the nursing home marketing <laughs> field from virtual tours to, you know, white glove service. Sensible Marketing is there for you to make your nursing home as attractive as possible for for potential residents. So, you need to head to sensiblemarketing.com. That's sensible <clears throat> That's sensiblemarketing.com. They have an amazing team, um, awesome, awesome employees, good times, good times all over from Shimmy J, Ron, Jeremy, and Co. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. SensibleMarketing.com. They are the nursing home, com- uh, nursing home marketing company that you need in your corner, so make sure to reach out to them today. Um, yeah. on, the, on, on the same subject with the, with the valet parking, you know, uh, some halls, they ask you if you want your car parked regular or you want premium parking. You know, and really? you, yeah, and if you give the guy, if you give the valet ten dollars, he'll make sure that you don't have to wait for your car when you come out. I think that's like a trade secret, though. Like if you go to a terrace of rum and and really, you know, a terrace of rum valet is it's brutal, it's tough. You know, you're in Williamsburg and it can take a very long time. But if you hand the guy a twenty, he'll keep your car up front the entire time. That's right. So if you plan on running, if you plan on running into a wedding at a terrace of rum and just being in there for like five ten minutes. Then, yeah, but it's not only there. I've I've seen it in other places too, uh, and it work it works it works against you at the same time. If you say no, thank you, and you only give this guy a dollar, you're going to wait a long time for your car, <laughs> especially in the winter when yeah. it's brutally cold outside. Yeah, well, we don't want that. Anyways, big news uh, this week is that Isha Rebo is having a huge concert at Madison Square Garden, and he will be the first Israeli. <laughs> To ever headline a concert in Madison Square Garden, New York Orthodox singer Ishai Rebo, whose music has attracted a diverse audience of religious and secular Israeli fans, will be the first Israeli artist to headline a concert at New York City's Madison Square Garden. Um, I know in this concert is also going to be featured Akiva Turjaman and Amir Dadon. Um, so this is big stuff. This concert is taking place in September. Um, so September third, people can. People can go ahead and – yeah, September 3rd that is. People can go ahead and get their tickets. There's going to be 20,000, I think, seats available. And what a Kiddush Hashem it could possibly be to fill 20,000 seats of Jewish people gathering together during Elul to hear music, uh, meaningful music, to hear a message from Isha Ribo, uh, Amir Dadon, Akiva. And I'm sure there will be other guests as well. Uh, it's really well, exciting. It's very exciting. I think it's a breakthrough type of situation. Uh, a lot of very popular Jewish artists have trouble filling up Brooklyn College or Queens College where there were yeah. two and a half thousand seats. There's not, not that many types of we, – we've seen the Jewish music concert concert scene evolve lately. You know, I think we've seen that with the rise of 
people coming out of Israel, like Yishai Rebo uh, and and uh, and his friends, where you know Arsher Af Stadium last last year was right. was sold out from Yishai Rebo concert and King's Theater. So it's getting bigger and bigger. And obviously, Madison Square Garden is going to be the biggest one yet. That I think the last concert I've been at at Madison Square Garden was the event with Lipa Schmelzer, but that wasn't in the main. Madison Square Garden. Oh, yeah. There's a smaller Hall. venue. That was, yeah. that was yeah. a smaller venue that maybe had 3,000 seats. All right. 19,000, 19, 20,000 seats. Well, first of all, Isai Rebo is extraordinarily talented, as you know. He's a great songwriter. He has a beautiful voice. He has a great reach. And he's what they call a crossover artist. He uh, crosses all the lines in, in Jewish music. You know, I don't want yeah. to pick on anybody in particular, but the Israelis, the couple of hundred thousand Israelis who live in Long Island or in Queens are not necessarily uh, going to uh, you know, hear Mordechai Ben David or, or Avram Fried or Benny Friedman. Yeah. Um, but you're going to have uh, people from every segment of the uh, front population, which is a few hundred thousand people in New York, uh, are going to come to Madison Square Garden. So all of a sudden, uh, when you're talking about a population of about 250 to 300,000 people, you're talking about 10% of that population filling up uh, Madison Square Garden. And I, yeah. I I think there are people that are on the fringes of the Jewish community that are fans of, uh, of Ishai Rebo. His sound, uh, his music, uh, his lyrics, uh, the way he couches the tefillos inside of uh, uh, of music, and uh, it, it's not. Uh, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised that it'll be sold out uh, uh, very quickly. And like you said, we we saw him. We, I think we both saw him two times previously, right? We saw him at the Yeshiva University graduation in Arthur Ashe uh, Stadium um, about a year ago, right? It was about yeah. a year ago, and uh, we saw him when he at, at the King's Theater on Flatbush Avenue. Which also has about thirty five hundred uh, seats, and it's a beautiful venue. Um, he reaches the he reaches the crowd, and um, and it's just a. I, I like the King's Theater better than the. Uh, than the <laughs> Listen, I think the story the story here is not about the venue or or anything like that. I think it's it's the fact that here's an opportunity to have twenty thousand Jews come together in a in a stadium, and the the potential for Kiddush Hashem. The, the potential for coach you know coach Shemayim is incredible um, you, you're gonna I bet you know I, I bet there will be many many different types of Jews coming under one roof and that's what Yishayibo does that's what Akiva does it's their music is is a music that unites unites people and especially in times that we live in which are very interesting times and and times that many of us are divided it could be it could be an event it could be a concert. That is more than just music, um, and I think that's what the producers have in mind. Not just about selling twenty thousand seats and making a buck, but it's an opportunity to make an impact, make an impact, and I think that's what they're going to do. I was trying to say uh, I was talking about uh, technical, you know, construction of the different uh, venues. I was saying that. Um, like in in the, in the tennis stadium, I thought it was just too noisy. People were jumping around too much. Yeah, I mean, the, I sound, the sound could be a little bit. The sound could be. Listen, we know Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden is built for oh for yeah concerts like this. Yeah. Billy Joel yeah. performs there every single month. Yeah. So, listen, it's in quite a while from now, September third. But just people can know they can get their hands on those tickets. Um, 
Well, are they, yeah, are they yeah. even get their tickets? I bet. Let's see. Uh, okay. well, they're marketing. Well, you, you have to look into two-page spread in the Five Ten Jewish Times last week. <laughs> yeah, which tells honestly, you, you how find that it. Goes. You can find it on honestly if you if you Google Isha Rebo concert, you can find it on StubHub. You can find it on Ticketmaster. You can find it everywhere. So uh, if you're looking for tickets, you will find it. Um, but that is our story. That that is that is our stories for today. A shorter episode for today, but we'll be back with you tomorrow on another episode of the Daily Thread. So stay tuned. And uh, as usual, we love hearing your feedback. And we will speak to you soon. Have a good night.